0: Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod, I'm Caitlin and I'm Sam. So firstly to start, at the end of this one I am going to do an update on one of our older cases of Renee McRae because there's been a lot going on in the news, you've probably all seen it and people have sent us articles etc which thank you very much for sending us those, Like we do appreciate it because I do miss things that are in the news and Sam definitely does so uh, thank you for sending us those. The case I'm doing today, though, actually mentions Renee McCray in it. So it all kind of links in in some sort of way. Um, They're not related at all, but you'll get what I mean as I start talking to you. So I'll finish this up and just get telling you the story. Today, I'm telling you the story of Dr. Brenda Page. have you ever heard of dr brenda page no i have not <laughs> not at all <laughs> i was gonna be really surprised if you said yes because even i hadn't heard much about them so if you were gonna turn around and be like yeah i was going to be like right you're at it um, yeah. <laughs> it actually came up dr brenda page i'll be completely honest i was reading into renee McRae, current kind of things that were going on and an article came up about dr brenda page because that actually has been in the news as well it's just not been as out there i want to say um it was mainly in the news last month but i didn't see anything about it and do you know i think i'm the same as probably a lot of you when you go on google on your work laptop like it comes up normally with like an update etc and, and none of them ever came up with dr brenda page until i was looking at stuff for renee mccray but as i said i'll give you an update on that at the end i'm going to do like spend my time now talking about brenda so Dr. Brenda Page was born in Ipswich, which is a county in England. She was a smart girl when young and actually progressed her to go and study at the University of London. She then moved north to Scotland to do her PhD, you can tell I've not got one, in genetics at Glasgow University. And that is when she first got her doctor title. Now, when at Glasgow University, she met her fellow scientist, Christopher Harrison. And he came from Gloucestershire, Gloucestershire. <laughs> I can never pronounce it, but you know what I mean. Is it not <laughs> Gloucester or Gloucestershire? <laughs> Gloucestershire. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah, they are. Uh, in the southwest of England. And they got on well. They bonded over science. And, of course, they're both missing home. They're both from England and they're currently living in Scotland. So that creates a kind of bond for them. And they then, from this, go from friendship to a more romantic relationship and then become a couple and in May 1972 they actually get married in a church in Ipswich. A year later they moved to Aberdeen as Brenda got a job in the university um, which is actually quite a prestigious university and it's currently still one of the most kind of popular universities in Scotland. So the main part of our story is set in Aberdeen so for those that don't really know Aberdeen, Aberdeen is a port city in the northeast of Scotland where the Dee and Don Rivers meet the North Sea. So that's where it is. It's kind of basically on the North Sea. It's also known as the Granite City because it's got so many like grey stone buildings. Like Aberdeen is actually, it's all right. I don't have any hate for Aberdeen, but I think some people are not a big fan of it. But as I said, it's kind of in the 70s when it's set. It's famous for its two kind of main things. The first is uni, because in the 70s, it's a pretty standout. it's a lot of reasons why people went there and also when you think of Aberdeen, the first thing that comes to my head is the oil business a huge amount of jobs and a huge kind of industry up there it brings workers in and in 1978 the oil price had actually risen by nearly 12% at that time so obviously the city is making a lot of money from this and it became home to the oil tycoons and it actually became the oil capital of Europe now a lot of people were working on the rigs and they would go and live on the rigs and when they returned, they would sometimes stay in Aberdeen or travel further home. So as you're kind of thinking, like there's these guys working, living on the rigs. And then if they're getting off the rigs for the weekend and they're just a young guy with all this money, so they're not paying dice to live on rigs. And then they're kind of out and about in Aberdeen. When I think of oil rigs, this is just me taking a complete side note. But I always think of the Piper Alpha disaster. Samantha, do you know what that is? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So this also was in the North Sea, the Piper Alpha disaster, about 120 miles northeast from Aberdeen, um, and basically it exploded. It was an oil rig that exploded and sank on the sixth of the sixth uh, of July, 1988, um, and it killed 165 of the men on board. Um, Thirty um, bodies have still not been recovered, and I think actually only like 61 of them survived. So it was huge. But this was also 10 years after our case. But this is why always think about when I think of Piper Alpha and obviously talking about Aberdeen there's like quite a lot of memorials and stuff there as well so back to our story Christopher also got a job at the university so Brenda is currently working in genetics and Christopher gets a job in biochemistry so they're working in the same university but apart and unfortunately the relationship actually breaks down and in 1977 they split amicably and get a divorce Now, Brenda actually moves into her own place, which is 13 Allen Street. And, of course, any freshly divorced woman buys herself three cats. So she's just living alone in her own flat with her three cats, which... I love that. Yeah. It's fantastic. Me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big fan. (laughs) So she was also at the time working on a project for the oil industry, looking into the dangers for divers in the North Sea. So I I couldn't get a lot of information about that, but she was working on this project. So we'll just keep that in mind as the story goes on. So on Thursday, the 13th of July, 1978, she packs up in the office that she's working on and had said to her colleague that the next day she was going to hand over some of her research papers, which would be the Friday. Now, she went home and got ready to go out for dinner. Now, she has seen meeting two men described as businessmen in the Treetops Hotel in Aberdeen. She then leaves around 2 a.m. on Friday the 14th and drives her mini back to her house. And that's the last time she's kind of seen that evening now the following day at roughly 2 p.m her colleague actually goes and checks in on her because she's a no show for work now this is back in the 70s it's not as easy as kind of just phoning somebody and seeing where they are so they actually go to her house and the neighbor is alerted by someone knocking on the door and they basically explain why and they start looking around the property and that is when the neighbor notices that one of her windows is smashed and they're obviously starting to panic now so they're knocking quite a lot at the door but the neighbour luckily has a spare key and they go in via the back door. Now, Brenda's cats were there and they search around and they go to Brenda's bedroom and they found her lying in her bed. And she wasn't in her bed as in sleeping. Unfortunately, Brenda was sprawled, fully clothed, and she had been what looked like beaten to death. The neighbour said, I um, quote, I saw nothing but blood and hair. So the neighbour, of course, begins to scream and the police were called and this becomes a murder investigation. Now, the police search the house for clues and obviously the body is critically examined. Now, looking at her, it kind of confirmed she was intentionally murdered. She's been beaten repeatedly with what they think is a blunt object, like a spanner, something like that. But they could not find this um, like at all. So this must have gone with the killer as well. Um, so the research papers that I said she was working on earlier, they are also gone. So, did the killer take them like why what are like what was the importance of them, or were they just like collateral damage kind of thing? There is also no signs of sexual assault, and the neighbors don't report any screams. they didn't see anybody. they didn't hear the glass being smashed. They also didn't see anyone around like at all like blood soaked, so the police said that the mess she was in this person would have been covered in blood so did they ditch their clothing like what did they do we don't really know so the police knew by the state of the bedroom that there's definitely been a struggle and potentially as well this person's been scratched or hurt so did anybody know anyone that had injuries again nothing really comes from this the window was also broken from the outside to gain access so the police now have this field of was this a burglar that went wrong but there's going wrong then there's going horrifically wrong so what they also believe as well, by the way the window was smashed, it was probably the same tool that was used to kill her that was actually used to smash the window, which probably makes sense that you're not going to bring multiple wed, uh, wed, multiple weapons to a crime scene. However, what kind of rules out this theory is no valuables were stolen. So how would that be able to go wrong if you don't actually even steal anything in the end? Nothing was taken apart from those research papers. So the police were going to go through her contacts and interview them and basically find out like what was going on with her, just everything like that. Now, the officer is searching through her possessions and find a card, which basically kind of changes this as we know it. So to put it as they kind of put it, she was living two kind of different lifestyles. So during the day, she is obviously a doctor and is doing X, Y and Z. However, at nighttime, Brenda works as a companion slash escort named Miss Brenda Adams. Now she does this a couple of nights a week to get some spare money. Obviously, she's just been divorced. She's got that to pay off. And men would basically go to her and get them to like accompany get her to like accompany them to corporate events. So this is a lot of wealthy men, of course, going back to the oil industry, the oil boom, so lots of executive events. And she saw this as a way of socialising, actually having fun, like, meet new people. Like, this girl's just really in divorce. Like, you do you. Like, you don't have Facebook and dating apps and stuff back then. So she's just seeing this as going out. Um, do You know, just to confirm is this, as well, this is not, like, how the current sex industry now works. Like, this isn't kind of seen as, like, there's no advertising as sex work. It's more actually, like escorting if you get what i mean so it's actually just like a businessman needs accompanied to a meal kind of thing they go for fancy dinners like she gets to live this kind of lavish lifestyle doing all this stuff um now she was actually registered with an agency with capital escort agency they're mainly based in edinburgh but they also had girls in aberdeen now the agent the thing about this agency was the women had to be beautiful but also intelligent where of course she's a doctor so these men didn't just want a beautiful looking girl they wanted someone they could actually speak to and obviously her research that she's doing into the oil diving thing this is really good conversation with these men especially if they work on the rigs now of course the agency is contacted by the police and William Austin is the owner and he was questioned and he said that Brenda was working and he spent an evening with her actually early July and said on the night that she seemed to be a bit frightened but didn't tell him anything that showed him concern now Brenda had spent the night on the 13th of July with two male companions and he said it was a bit of a peculiar arrangement as they called them from their car which remember back then phones in the car aren't very common and they met her in the hotel he said that Brenda's life was basically quite lonely and not many friends but I suppose that's maybe why she does this and the two men were interviewed but they have been ruled out I do not know why but they've been ruled out so we leave it at that now obviously The first thing I heard about this, I was like, "Mm, what's the ex-husband up to? He was questioned, but nothing to go on, basically. He was able to account for his movements, said the divorce was easy, and he's actually currently sad and grieving. And after his interview, they accepted his version of events and released him. So I just wanted to kind of chuck that in there because that was obviously when I was doing my research, that's the main thing I wanted answered at that time. But that is what the police had to say about it then. Now, Christopher, the ex, actually releases a statement of how upset he is, etc., and said he wants the killer found and held responsible. However, people start to find out that she was an escort and people said that this work is dangerous and, like, you know, people linked the murder to the work and they couldn't really get past that. And this, this makes me so angry because I'm like, all right, okay, so she, she deserved to die then. No. So it doesn't matter that she'd done this job. At the end of the day, there is still... A murderer out there. This isn't a dangerous job. That just that's a potential you might get. You know, if you become an escort, you might just get battered to death in your bed. That that's not what happens. So I, I won't go on to rant about that. I could spend the rest of the podcast ranting about it. But going back to that, how would they know where she lives? Like Brenda drove herself to places. Nobody picks it up. Nobody knows her address. Like even that night, she goes to the hotel and drives herself home in that car. Like it's very unlikely. Someone has fallen on her. But people still blame it, and I'll leave it at that. Now, Brenda was actually buried in Rushmore, near her hometown. And her sister, Rita, and her mum, Florence, were there at the funeral. Now, they actually travelled from Ipswich to Aberdeen to be there for a lot of the investigation. But, as he said, they hardly knew anything about her life in Aberdeen. And all this is obviously coming out now about this escort work, etc. And they didn't really know any of that world. Now, there's a final line of inquiry for the police, which is one eyewitness on a murder morning, basically a milkman says he saw a man leave in the early hours of July 15th now he describes a man and they release a photo of it and this is like 50,000 posters get spread all over the place Yes, thick dark hair and a moustache which it's the 70s, name someone that doesn't have thick dark hair and a moustache do you know what I mean they also start looking for a dark green mini countryman that was also in the area from 9pm to 6am on those dates but I don't think anything kind of came from that. Now, the police said it was highly likely that Brenda actually knew her killer, um, that she was kind of familiar with her presence. They also done research in Edinburgh for the weapon. So they came all the way to Edinburgh to actually have a look for the weapon. so I think they believed there was some connection to um, Edinburgh they also found like the track down and questioned the people that were on the Aberdeen to Edinburgh early morning train on the 14th of July at 625 train they all got questioned as well now the statement from police said they were looking for help to get a green duffel bag watch shoes and a jacket that's it locals to be on the lookout but like no explanation. Like, is the watch female, male? Like, like I understand. Like, the jacket and maybe bloody clothing, but like, not nothing ever kind of came from this. Do you know what I mean? And also, that's very basic. Kind of look for a green duffel bag. Now, on the second of August, police put their work into the River Dee. Now, the River Dee is a river in Aberdeenshire, and it rises in the Cairngorms and flows through southern Aberdeenshire to reach the North Sea, Aberdeen. And it's about 140 kilometers. Now, this is obviously a big old place, good place to dump ev- evidence because um, it can be destroyed, etc. because the water. So they decide to check that. So divers go in. And of course, her mum and sister are there and nothing comes back. Now, on the 20th of June, 1980, nearly two years of investigations, like the family get their worst news possible, basically. And the case stops and they class it as unsolved. And that's it it's it's done basically so the family were absolutely stunned you know two and a half thousand statements later all this stuff nothing so that is the case closed for the time being and it actually lies closed for roughly 25 years so in 2004 dna advances actually could open the case again so they ask for it to be opened again because they can actually get some of the evidence from the original case re-examined with all the new systems now when I say it's her family it's mainly her sister Rita as her mum unfortunately has passed away by this point so obviously has went to her grave with no idea of what happened to her daughter. I do not know if evidence was re-examined I cannot find anything about that but if it wasn't the case angles goes cold again. Now on the 29th of November 2011 a special cold case unit get involved. Now the family are quite I don't want to say happy about this but you know, this This is a good thing because they've also dealt with other cases. Renee McRae, who I will tell you about later, they also had the special cold case unit look at her case. Now, nothing came from this investigation and the family did think the case was potentially overlooked, maybe because there were other cases that were more important at the time, but the family do believe that their case was overlooked. Now, in February 2015, a Lord Advocate, Frank um, Magollan QC, I think I got his name as, I could have that totally wrong. Um, He went to Aberdeen and basically, I didn't know any of this, but he is like Head of Systems for Crime and Prosecution of Death and he has the power to reopen cases. So he decided to open this case. Now, this all came about as a review of case papers and assessment of forensic science possibilities. So this was led by Detective Superintendent Malcolm Stewart and he basically said in a quote, We've been in liaison with the Crown Office in terms of the paper review and from that the Lord Advocate has decided that he would like me to have it reinvestigated. This case is from 1978 so there has been significant progress in forensic techniques since that time and one of the things we'll be considering is whether the items seized at the time can be subject to new forensic techniques which may point us in a particular direction. That is certainly one aspect of the inquiry we will need to look at closely. I don't really know what that all means, kind of, like the certain bits they're going to be looking at. But obviously, this is really hopeful for the family. Like 75 people are assigned to the case. And basically, one of the main jobs was to get all the witness statements, put the data on the computer and like be able to cross reference them with the new information they have. So we now are going to jump forward a wee bit to 2018. The case has been cold for 40 years now. And in 2018, her sister said that 40 years has passed since Brenda was found and not a day goes by that we don't think about her and her horrendous ordeal she must have suffered that night. It is important that the police and Crown Office have all potential information available to them to bring the person responsible for her death to court. Please come forward if you think you can help. So her sister put out this plea 40 years later to basically get more people to help because I think as much as it was opened, that kind of shows that nothing... Really came from it, but what was giving her sister hope was, of course, at this time, and that there was another cold case in the area that was solved, and it's the case around Kazi Ahmed, which I was going to get into, but I'm actually I read into it, and I was like, I'm going to cover that case, so I'm not going to tell you anything about it. If you want to know, give me a couple of weeks. So on the 17th of March 2020, a 79-year-old man is arrested under the suspicion of murder for Doctor Brenda Page. Now this obviously becomes. A huge, like, what? Like, where did this come from? Like, and obviously the family, it's hard to see her happy. But, yes. Who was arrested? Christopher Harrison, her ex-husband. Now, he went to the Aberdeen Sheriff Court. I knew it. (laughs) I had that feeling. (laughs) I know. So that's the thing at the time he was ruled out. But he'd moved on, had another life and was living in Holland. Um, He went to Aberdeen Sheriff Court, no plea, and was released on bail. Now, the trial was then set for August 2022. The trial um, was obviously, a a man was accused of murdering his ex-wife, but this was cancelled. So Christopher Harrison, Dr Christopher Harrison, sorry, 81 years old, is alleged to have broken into Brenda's house and bludgeoned her to death. However, the, um, the case was halted last minute after his legal team quit. So this is last month, his legal team quit. His lawyer, David Mogach, I think his surname was, revealed there had been a breakdown in the relationship with his quiet, client. sorry. And I've got the exact quote, which he says, matters arose, which caused considerable discussion and exchange where there were some open and frank views aired, possibly on both sides. There's a considerable, um, well, that's another quote, Actually, I'll get back to that in a minute. But he's basically been working on the case for two years and what the reason they've halted it is because there's like 2,000 odd statements, loads of paperwork. That was the second part of the quote. You couldn't just basically say to somebody, I've quit, you come in. But his defence quit. And I've been thinking about this since I read that. Piece well, if that doesn't say something. Mm, like, what matters arose? I need to know. He so, said something. And I want to know, know. I know, it's mad. But anyway... He revealed that will help try and secure a new legal team and he handed over two pen drives and 47 lever arch files of documents. Lord Richardson said the situation was regrettable, but he cancelled the trial. Um, also, sorry, just to confirm as well, he was charged with murder, but I also forgot to mention he's also going to be charged with getting rid of evidence that would implicate him in alleged murder. And he is also being charged... Um, Claim The like, charges claim that he attacked Brenda in Glasgow, Edinburgh and Aberdeen and other locations between 1972 and 1976. So it's coming out that he was a bit of an abusive husband. The prosecution alleges that he placed his wife in a state of fear and alarm by threatening her between 1972 and 1976. It is also claimed that he stalked his wife and broke into her flat between 1976 and 1978 before she was killed. Now, a date was set... Well, a date for the hearing to set a new date was set for the 2nd of september as in like 10 days ago by the time we're recording this yeah i cannot find anything again like shout out to anyone listening to this because you guys are really good at sending us like newspaper links if you can find anything or if anything comes up please let me know because i cannot for the life of me find a date i was searching and searching but it doesn't seem to be anywhere there was one article that said they like Date set, and every time I went to my clutch, and it was one of those you had to pay. And I was like, I'm not paying to subscribe, so I don't know the date. But if anyone can find out the date, please let me know. There's also talk of this case being recorded and streamed. Remember they did that um, with that case that we covered, Samantha, um, about the girl. Yep. Uh you, you'll. All know I want to call her Tracy, but her name's not Tracy. Oh, I don't think it is. But not anyway, neither. Right. Okay, we're just going through names now. But there's talks of it being recorded, or it's. I think would be so so interesting to watch and obviously this like when I read that all about the husband I was like oh how was this missed but it might not be missed it might be new data that's just come up but hopefully this gets to court soon and Dr Brenda Page actually gets justice for herself and her family get justice too and that is me finished with Dr Brenda Page. Samantha is there anything you would like to say before I move on to Renee McRae's update?
1: Uh, no, it's just crazy, but, you know, I think the a news article, it does, I, in English, I actually remember seeing a news article um, a couple months ago about that old man, because I, re- I always click onto them, or I send you photos of them, and I'm like, ooh, yep. because he looked like a really, really old man, like, he did look ancient, if I'm honest, so oh, I think, you know, this could be a juicy one, and I hope, you know, they get justice.
0: Absolutely. Totally, totally agree. Okay, so I'm not finished talking to you yet. Sorry. I'd like to give you an update on everything that's going on with Renee McRae. And this is probably quite a lengthy update um, rather than other ones we've given. But there's so much information and I tried to kind of combine it into one. So there's quite a lot of articles, but bear with me. If you're sitting here and you're like, Renee who? Renee McHoo? I've never heard of this name before. We have covered this episode ages ago and it's very similar to the case we've heard it's a cold case. So go back, listen to this and then you can have the update. Not listen to this, listen to the podcast, then listen to this. Anyway, so William McDowell is on trial at the High Court in Inverness for being basically being accused of killing 36-year-old Renee and their son Andrew, who was three in November 1976. So scarily close to the case we've just covered. Now, he's been represented by Murray Macra Casey, and the court was told that the 80-year-old denies the charges against him and has lodged a special defence of incrimination, and he has an alibi. Now, the jury is made up of seven men and eight women, and they were told he was not at the scene of the alleged murder and that he spent the night at home. Now, the defence claimed that her husband, Gordon McRae, who she was separated from, committed the offence, together with an unknown person. Now, McDowell is at court and he is appearing in a wheelchair and he's actually charged with assaulting her in the Dalmigari lay-by on the A9 or somewhere else. He's also accused of then setting fire to the BMW, disposing of the pushchair and of a boot hatch from a Volvo. Um, They say that he did this to avoid arrest and prosecution. Now, he is blaming the ex-husband. And he is actually there, the court as well, Gordon McRae, 85. And he told a court it was incredible to suggest that he could have been involved. Now, at one thing I always keep forgetting about this is McDowell was actually employed by Gordon McRae. Like, I always forget that, like, her, the person she was having the affair with was, well, was involved with. It wasn't an affair, they were split, but it was his, like, secretary. So when actually speaking to um, McRae on trial, he said that he knew she was involved with somebody else, but he repeatedly asked if it was someone employed at his firm, which is Hugh McRae Builders Limited. Um, Mr McRae said it came come as a shock to him when he was told on the morning of the 13th of November that a car had been found in the previous night, burnt out a lay-by by um, Dal Gary, of Inverness. He said soon after he learnt that McRae had been going to meet her lover his secretary, Mr. McDowell, he actually got him to come to the boardroom at their place. And Mr. McCray said he told him, like, if you can help the police in any way, like, please do. But he didn't say a word the whole time, just sat in silence. He then actually went on to fire McDowell because of the relationship, the court was told, and never seen them again. Now, Mr. McDowell was cross examined, um, like, his counsel, sorry, cross examined Mr. McCray a lot of misters and mix and everything here. And basically asked him, did you feel at any stage that the police suspected that you were involved in the disappearance? And Mr McCray replied, not at all. And then the council said that you used to visit a nearby quarry with your then girlfriend. And you said to her, if you fall out with me, this is where you'll end up. To which he said was absolute nonsense. He also denied consulting a solicitor about divorcing his wife after learning that she was pregnant and he was not the father. Now, Mr McRae said, I hardly knew Andrew. There was no animosity, but I find it difficult to remember anything about Andrew. We got to the stage where we had to live separately. And he basically said on the 12th of November, he'd been working late at a business meeting. had gone straight home um, from the Inverness to Inverness from his headquarters in the City's Harbour Road. And that was kind of it. He basically was re-examined and they ever said, did you have any part whatsoever in the, way of the disappearance? To which he responded, absolutely none. Now, obviously, unlike the last case, I don't believe it has anything to do with the husband. I honestly don't think so at all. And I know that was a lot of information, but it's still basically going. Like, even though I give you this update, keep checking the news daily. Like, I've got an article in front of me here that was released today about the fact her sister, Ebony's sister, said that she was planning a new life um, out of like, Aberdeen, basically, and they said that she was going to move away, which, do I believe that, like, do I believe she was going to move to Shetland? Um, I I personally think, like, I'll be quite honest, like, I normally don't give my opinions as such. I let you guys think what you think. I think he did it. Not the husband I do think. It was the lover that did it. And I do believe he probably sold her this story of, we're going to move to Shetland and I'm going to leave my wife and kids and I'm going to have this life, just all of us, and... Her sister said that when she got, when she first told her that she was pregnant and it was with a married man, her sister was like, don't do it, blah, 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 but it's obviously easier said than done, but I believe he sold her this life and that's where she's told the sister that she was planning on moving away with them and yada, 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 they're going to go to Shetland and then he has murdered her. But as I said, that's all my updates there, but genuinely... Oh, can yeah. I add something? Oh, Oh, Sorry. yeah, of course you can, yeah, of course. Sorry.
1: It's just from an article I read, I think it was yesterday or the day before, how also part of the case against the person or whoever it was that was murdered uh, Renee and the child there was a close by house and the woman who is now deceased so it's now her daughter that's saying all this in court but her mum recalls hearing like a gut wrenching scream the night that Renee died so there was a huge scream and then someone also drove Past their house, which is practically in the middle of nowhere, at like a silly o'clock after this scream. So, that's also either in the court at the minute or it's been said. But the person who actually heard the scream has passed away. Like, she's no longer with us. But the daughter
0: is now saying this. Oh, wow. See, again, totally mental, but like, I didn't even see that.
1: Yeah, there's there's tons at the minute, but um, definitely keep an eye out uh, and send us anything that you have.